Welcome to the 360T Podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello, and welcome to the 360T Podcast with myself, Galen Stops. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Madden, the head of FX for EMEA at BNY Mellon. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Galen, it's great to be here and thank you for inviting me. So first off, I wanted to ask you about uh, technology changes that we've seen as a result of the pandemic. I read, I read a piece uh, in an article not that long ago, which had a phrase that I rather loved, which it talked about a, a tech acceleration. And this wasn't specific to, to finance. This was just kind of talking more broadly about the tech acceleration and how the adoption of technology in, in various areas of business and life has accelerated as a result of the pandemic and sort of this, this decentralized environment we've been in. Thinking about FX specifically then, I wanted to put it to you. I mean, have you seen uh, an acceleration in the adoption of technology over the past year as a result of the pandemic? I mean, absolutely. And I, I love that, that word tech acceleration that you just used. We've, had, we've certainly been seeing it. Um, I think the fact that we're all working from home and, and it's working well is a tech acceleration itself. At least, at least the network effect of everyone being at home is uh, sort of flattened the planet a little bit so that, you know, when you're working in New York, collaborating with colleagues outside of the country or in London or wherever else is much easier than it was before. And, um, and also, you know, within the industry, there's definitely a push from the client side to reduce costs that is, um, you know, looking for technology solutions to essentially automate aspects of their business to reduce costs. And, um, and that's accelerated since we've all been home. And we continue to think that that'll be the, the direction of travel over, over the, uh, the thawing of the uh, lockdowns and whatnot. So then it, it, this tech acceleration, is it a permanent feature, do you think? I mean, when, you know, knock on wood, you know, fingers and toes crossed, et cetera, you know, when, when the vaccines are rolled out and life hopefully gets somewhat back to normal, do you think that, that the kind of the habits that people have developed professionally over the last year will maintain and continue going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, um, you know, we all learn, learn as we go along, and this has been a, a sort of different type of life than everyone had lived before and expected, and the, the good parts of it, if you were to say it that way, will remain, and there will be, uh, you know, things that you do more over, over video than before, and there'll be parts of our industry that have moved into an automated fashion where, you know, the client base will see that that's how they want to continue running it, and I guess, what I'm pointing out there is that um, from a client perspective, you know, bid offer spreads in the industry have, have collapsed so far that they, they can only reap so much additional um, benefit from spread compression. And what we're increasingly seeing is clients looking to pair with their providers in ways down their stack that reduce their costs further. And as a custodian, we're uniquely placed to do that because we already hold their securities. And so then to, to add on um, you know, FX products to the, to the custody lens is an aspect of tech acceleration that was, you know, was there before, but it's definitely gone faster since the, since pandemic was there. And I think that it's something that will, will be permanent as we go forward. So you mentioned automation there, and this is certainly something we've seen a big kind of drive towards. Uh, algos, obviously, are one form of kind of automation within FX. 
I mean, have the conversations that you're having with clients around kind of algos changed over the past year? And kind of as a follow-up, do you see different levels of appetite from these products from different types of clients that you work with? Um, I think the, you know, the algo product has matured over time. It's been, it's been in the industry over a decade now. And at the onset, we were talking about um, complexity of the algo itself. Whereas I think that the, the debate has changed as the product has matured. And now we're increasingly talking about what liquidity pool do the algos reference. And so the, you know, the bells and whistles on the, on the algos themselves are becoming pretty increasingly standardized. But what's not the same for every client and for every uh, application of an algo is what, what liquidity pool they're, they're running them on. And as a custodian, we have a unique uh, liquidity pool to offer. And so that's really what is of, of interest to the client base. And I think that that's you know, across the board what, what we're discussing when it comes to algos with our clients. And I guess the, the other point that I would make on algos is that we're increasingly looking at ways to bring those into our custody programs so that we can bring the same efficiencies of a manual application of an algo into a custody program. And so I mean, you talked there about, about a lot of the bells and whistles becoming standardized. I mean, do you think it's still the case that, that most firms are happy with kind of uh, a TWAP or a VWAP as long as it's going against, as you say, kind of a, a unique liquidity pool that they can kind of derive value out of during execution? Yeah, I, would, I mean, unfortunately, the, the, the short answer to the question is yes, that... Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's only so many parameters on an algo that a that a client really wants to tweak, and um, in in the old days, I think we once we went over five, we started to realize that presenting twenty or or thirty um, parameters was overwhelming clients, and it's reduced back down to you know the five-ish area that they're happy to interact with. Um, you know, every client's different. You're going to have a a range where some want to do more and some want to do less. But when we're talking about the 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 mainstream or the predominant thrust of conversations it's around applying a relatively simple algo into into a unique pool of liquidity i I do remember a couple of years ago i was at um an an industry event watching a panel and uh i I did like this one comment a buy side firm uh on the panel commented that that going to see their algo providers and listen to everything they had was like a trip to the zoo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been so, some, uh, some crazy names for those algorithms. <laughs> but, uh, I think we're I think we're beyond that point now. Um, so, do you think more broadly? Do you think the past year has changed firms' priorities when it comes to technology solutions for trading? Well, it, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about before as an acceleration. Mm-hmm. So, it, not necessarily a change, but there were trends that were that were moving before the uh, the pandemic that have accelerated since then related to technology. And that's where we're mostly seeing that is around a desire for our, our clients to consolidate their uh, provision of service with fewer providers and, and essentially do so in a way that simplifies the, the business model for the client. And, and that leads to a place where what they want is a, um, a smoother service that covers more of their needs and reduces their costs, as I mentioned earlier. And, um, and that, there's just more demand for outsourcing type arrangements across uh, standing instruction or custody, custody type platforms than ever before, and also into, say, share class hedging or overlay products, where those can be used to, say, reduce headcount or 
regulatory technology burden at a client and, and push them onto a provider like ourselves. And we're very happy to, to provide those solutions for our clients. Okay, interesting. And then on, on circling back slightly onto the theme of automation, do you think automation becomes more or less attractive in volatile market conditions? I think this one's really interesting because we've, we've had over a decade since the financial crisis when we last had, let's call it, real volatility. And um, you know, over that, that period, there have been forces in the industry that have changed the way that we operate in many ways. One of them is the technology we use that you, that you mentioned there, that we're increasingly automated and screen-driven in how we, how we trade. And there's also been a population change within the industry because that's a rather long period of time. So you have a large group of people that are now operating these machines that perhaps had never seen um, what I'll call real volatility before. And so then in the episode we had last March and April, where there was a real flare-up in the, in the markets and we had that real volatility return, that's a, that's a unique environment that only lasts for so long. And the parameters of how you operate do certainly change in that, um, you know, a, a Screen-based trading will probably go wider than people would like at that time. That, however, is simply not how it works in, uh, in normal times where we have spread compression all around and it's better to, to run an algo on a machine or hit a, hit a machine. But, um, but just in, the, in those volatile periods, traditional you know, phone, phone-based uh, risk transfer still has its place. And so we saw that in March and April, yeah. And I mean, do you think that, as you say, for some people in the industry, this was kind of their first experience with, as you say, quote unquote, real volatility. Um, do you think that this is kind of going to shape the lens through which people view FX trading and whether that's in terms of custody, execution, workflow optimization? And, and the reason I ask this is because uh, I was on kind of a, a digital event uh, just last week. And to me, it was interesting that the conversations that people were having, you would have almost thought that the volatility happened yesterday. Uh, everything seemed to be viewed through that lens. And it was very much, even though it was close to a year ago now, yeah. it was very much top of mind for everyone. Yeah, yeah. it was that traumatizing, right? It's a, it's a year ago, but it was today, right? So, no, I guess to answer your question, the, the, those those episodes are fleeting and they're kind of black swans by nature because the only way to get that kind of volatility is for them to be unexpected. And um, what I would say is that we have a new set of technology that we're, that we're applying to it. And I think that increasingly these episodes in between where we're dealing over screens that the, the technology improves and we need to increasingly less and less deal manually in the future because we figure out ways to risk transfer effectively through electronic means. Yeah. Um, and it just helps to have those episodes to, to, to work your way through it. And also for the client base to get used to trading that way. Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about what's going to happen this year. Let's talk about 2021. And I guess my, my question here for you is, do you think that the FX industry is in a good place to innovate this year? Um, and I guess, you know, on the one hand, as we say, there's there's growing demand for new solutions. People are looking about ways they can reduce costs, be more efficient, be more effective. But on the counter side to that, I guess is is you know there is still some uncertainty. Um, you know, there's still things. You know, budget still uh, are a restriction. We've got perhaps more regulations have been delayed coming in. So I wanted to get your perspective on whether you kind of feel optimistic about the potential for innovation this year. Yeah. So look, I think I think that. 
market structure changes are the kind of thing that force innovation. And, you know, the industry is, is definitely reacting to the changes that we've had with everybody working from home and the, the client impact or the change in behavior on the clients that we see as a result. So where I'm going with that is to say that I'm, I'm very bullish on innovation in the industry at this time as we're reacting to the new environment. And what we're seeing from the client side or what we're reacting to is clients that are looking to increasingly, as I've said before about uh, using technology, is that they're looking to outsource um, aspects of their operation because they think it can be done more cheaply or efficiently by a provider. And then what we're, what we're doing is trying to find ways to meet those needs. And that leads to things where, as a, as a custodian, we're, we're developing multi-custodian netting. So it means that we can service clients through our custody programs that are not in custody with us here. So custody FX programs is what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also there's a thrust from the client base to see time stamping. And that's maybe not a big deal in G10 because it's, it's extremely prevalent. But when you get into the outer rims of more frontier markets, that has its, uh, that has its value and it's harder to come by. And those timestamps enable TCA that is an absolute for all the clients now. And that's another thing that we're looking to deliver the parameters that they need to do that kind of analysis. So I think that that innovation is here and it's driven by market structure change. And it's something that's definitely being funded and is, is going to happen in 2021. And so with my last question, I actually kind of want to switch gears completely, um, which was I saw uh, some news recently uh, on the interwebs uh, about BNY Mellon <laughs> yeah. launching a digital assets unit. And I mean, given, given uh, the, uh, the volatility we've seen and the, the, the price rise we've seen in, in Bitcoin, which, which I must confess, I, I refused to buy in 2013 when I got into it because I thought it was never going higher. Yeah, um, we probably wouldn't be having that co- this conversation now if had you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So I, I, I don't know if you'll have a perspective in this, but I am curious, which is, do you see digital currencies, whether it's you know Bitcoin, altcoins, or something issued by a central bank, do you see that as ultimately sitting alongside fiat currencies? Um, or, or is this kind of a very separate and distinct kind of asset class from your perspective? I'm not sure if I would be able to categorize them in the way that you frame the question, but definitely okay. there's more interest from the client base to invest into cryptocurrencies than ever before. And what we're looking to do is to be able to service those needs and to build um, what we're doing right now is building a prototype of how we would provide custody in that space so that we can service those needs when they're more mature. Interesting. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic being here. Thank you very much. And to everyone listening, I do hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.